Without further ado, Luke chapter 19, the passage. I know our amazing Pastor Clive shared from this passage uh, two weeks ago. The title of my message, Occupy. Somebody say, Occupy. Occupy. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, you better occupy. Turn to another neighbor and say, if it is to be, it's up to me. Oh, some of you are already feeling unsettled now. Word that's been burning on my heart. Word that I believe is going to bring much change, I know, into my life, but into lives here tonight. Lord, I just pray as I share for these few moments, Lord God, that you would take your word, your truth, Lord God. Holy Spirit, take this word, the word of God, the words of Jesus, and capture the hearts of your people. And those who don't know you, Lord God, with your word of truth, bring them to salvation tonight. Lord, you can do in one moment what a thousand sermons cannot. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Listen to that amazing rain. Hallelujah. Sign of blessing. Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Jesus is about to give a parable here, and we can find a similar one in the Synoptic Gospels, uh, Matthew chapter 25. But Luke 19. Now, as they heard these things, Jesus, just prior to this, had said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Hallelujah. He spoke another parable, because, because. So Jesus, the parable I'm about to read to you, the teaching of Jesus, he taught for a reason. Because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. He's about to teach this parable because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Somebody say immediately. This is the reason why Jesus is about to teach this parable. Because those who were around him, his disciples, are there any disciples of Christ? Yeah, tonight, I see a few, amen. The disciples that walked with him, that spoke with him, that were in his presence, they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now, truth be told, this is the desire of every Christian, that the kingdom of God would appear right now. I mean, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Revelation, Jesus says, behold, I am coming quickly, to which the writer responds, even so, come, Lord Jesus. This is really the desire of every child of God, that the kingdom would come right now. We pray it. Especially in the world that we live in. If you never understood it, I'm sure you can understand right now with the political challenges we face, the issues at hand, the corruption, the evil legislation in the world, the wars, the brokenness. Every child of God seeks an environment of justice, of freedom, of prosperity. I mean, elections were just called. Why do you think elections are such a big thing? Why? Because everybody hopes once again, as they always do, that they get to vote for a politician that will make the world, their world, a better place. I mean, that's the only point of elections, really. Hopefully somebody can get in power and make this city this nation a better place. But as a child of God, we recognize the systems of the world are broken. That there will never be world peace, true peace, world freedom. I mean, this is what uh, the world is really all about. Climate change strikers, they are seeking a better world. The elimination of poverty. I mean, this is what, <laughs> what it's all about. When people go and strike and protest, 
They are seeking something. And so do we as the children of God. We seek kingdom come. Where Jesus comes and sets up his throne. Now, for the Jews, it was no different. They were under Roman oppression. They were under an oppressive system. So they thought because Jesus is here, the Messiah, the Son of God, he's going to come, overthrow the Romans, set up the kingdom. Uh, You know, even in our personal lives, when we get close to Jesus, that happens. We're in his presence. We're in deep times of prayer. We have the sense of kingdom come, that my breakthrough is going to enter right now, that there's going to be a dramatic shift in my life. And the closer you get, the more into the presence of God you get, there's a a deeper desire and sense that something's going to happen. Kingdom is coming. God's will and His reign is going to happen in my life. It's going to break through in my life. And there's always the sense of immediacy. We want it now. I need the breakthrough now. I need the change now. I need the world to change right now. And this is why Jesus is about to teach the parable that he teaches. Because the fact was kingdom come was not happening at that moment. But they thought it was going to happen. How many times do we think the massive shift is going to happen? And it doesn't. And we get disappointed and disillusioned. Anyone ever been there? But God, I thought this thing was going to change, but it hasn't. Lord Jesus, we thought you were going to come, set up your rule and reign, overthrow the Romans, but he didn't. So with this desire, with this need in the world for kingdom come, his rule and reign on earth, Jesus teaches this. And the parable he's about to teach, he's about to compress the destiny of man into one parable, into one story, that from that moment till the end of time, the final judgment, Jesus is about to compress all of this into one parable. This is the importance of this parable, the story he's about to teach. He's about to demonstrate them what to do with this desire, with this need. For a world that needs to change, a city that needs to change, a situation that needs to change, where we desire heaven to come down. 12, therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Okay, who's Jesus speaking about here? Who goes to receive a kingdom and return? He's speaking about himself. He's alluding to himself. So before he goes, he calls 10 of his servants and he delivers to them 10 miners, almost like three months of wages. And he said to them, do business until I come. The King James says it so brilliantly, occupy until I come. What are we supposed to do until Jesus comes back? Occupy, do business until I come. Do business until I come. Many people don't know Jesus, he's a businessman. Not only a king, advocate, barrister, lawyer, priest, high priest. What did he say at age 12? I must be about my father's business. Do business till I come. We'll come back to this. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. This is one of the reasons why we want, many Christians want the end of time. They just want Jesus to come back and change everything. Because we live in the midst of a people in a world that does not want the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. They sent a delegation, citizens of the world, saying we will not have this man to rule over us. My brother and sister, this is the reality of life. This is the reality of the world. 
the politics at hand, where you find yourself, the schooling system, the university that you find yourself in, they do not want the rule and reign of Christ. This is the message that is put forward all the time. We do not want this man, Jesus Christ, his ways to be ruler over us. Oh, how the media and the politicians fight against churches or anybody that's a Christian, they attack. Why? Because they would not have Jesus to rule over them. Just wake up. That's the reality of the world you live in. And so with that, we want Jesus to come back. I mean, who desires that? Lord, just come back and show everybody. Just show them up. Please, Lord. We're tired of these people and their blasphemy. They continue on. And so it was, verse 15, that when he returned, having received the kingdom. Can we have our scriptures? Thank you. He commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Gained by trading. Then he came to the first saying, Master, your miner has earned 10 miners. And he said, well done, good authority over 10 cities. He didn't go faithful in much, but authority in much. And the second came saying, Master, your miners earn five miners. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here's your miner, which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief. Oh, this guy sounds like a good guy. I mean, at least he kept it safe, right? At least he, you know, protected that which the master gave him. But why? He says, for I feared you because you are an austere man, which means a hard man. Turn to another neighbor and say, the master is a hard man. You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might collect it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him. Give it to the one who has 10 miners. But they said, Master, he has 10 miners. Jesus says this, for I say to you that everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Verse 27, but bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. This right here is a picture of the destiny of man. This is what is going to, from that time that Jesus shared it till the coming of Christ. This is it right here. This is the blueprint. Right at the end, what we find is the final judgment. The judgment of the believers and the unbelievers. Right at the end, you see the unbelievers. And the master calls and he says, those who did not want me to reign over them, my enemies, call them and slay them before me. It's the judgment. Whether you like it or not, there is a heaven and a hell. And the master doesn't say, bring the moral and immoral. He doesn't bring, uh, say, bring the, the mean people Yeah. He says, the enemies are those who simply did not want me to reign over them. Those who did not accept the lordship of Christ. Tonight you might be here. And I need to tell you, it doesn't matter what a nice person people tell you, you are. It doesn't matter how many likes you get on Instagram and Facebook. Not even how much money you might have in the bank. The question is, have you accepted the lordship of Christ? That's it. Not how good you uh, look in the mirror. Not how much money you've given to the poor. Because the enemies of the master, it doesn't differentiate between the rich and the poor, the famous and the faceless, the unknown, between the good and the kind. 
those who might have been mean people. No, no, no. Just those who did not accept my rule and reign, my lordship, bring them to me. Bring them, my enemies. That's the final judgment. We see between the believer and the unbeliever. The unbeliever, we know, eternity in hell. It's not politically correct to say that, but that's the gospel, the truth. But then here's the thing, between the believer and unbeliever, the servants and the citizens, of the servants, the believers, you see there's a judgment with them as well. That is good or bad. Yes, they're all going to heaven. They're all servants. They're all children of God. But we find a difference. And this difference between the good and faithful servant and the wicked servant is not who was mean and who was kind, who was a nice person. Who did everybody like? But simply between the person that took what was given to him and multiplied it for the master, advanced, had dominion, occupied, did business for the master. And the one who didn't, who just took what was given to him by the master and hid it, kept it where it was. That's it. Our call until Jesus returns, brother and sister, is to do business for the kingdom. It's to occupy for the kingdom. It's to advance for the kingdom. I know you think the kingdom might be appearing immediately and some of you are waiting for a better day, but you're going to wait a long time. And when you come to the end of your waiting, you're going to be disappointed in realizing that all that mattered is how you live for God and what you did for Him and what glory you gained for Him on this earth by multiplying and advancing. Jesus said, John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. The mandate to Adam was be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion and subdue the earth. Advance. That's the mandate, child of God, until kingdom come. Advance. Multiply. Do business for the kingdom. Increase. Increase. Somebody turn to your name and say, increase. Win another soul for Jesus. Build that business. Make more profit. Finance the gospel. That's it. That's what gives glory. You know, I, I somehow Christians have got it mixed up. They work in a business and they think the best way to glorify Christ is being that smiley face person that everyone walks over. They blaspheme around the person. They treat them like garbage, but they're like, I'm just going to be like Christ. I'm going I'm to keep smiling. <laughs> You want to know what Christ like is? The, he says, the master, you knew what I was like. I'm a hard man. You think you know what increase is? The master says, the way I increase is I reap where I didn't even sow. Where other people sowed, I go take that harvest. That's the master. You want to know how to represent Jesus in that business. Increase. More than anybody else. Multiply. Advance. More than anybody else. Uh, you know, as I was preparing tonight, I was thinking about one of my good friends in South Africa, very powerful businessman. Very, very successful. Strong in business. But when you meet him, he's the kind of guy that doesn't suffer fools easily. That idiom fits him. He's a very curt, very curt in his expression. Sometimes very rude. You will greet him. He won't even give you a smile. He won't even shake your hand sometimes. He'll just look at you. And who is this? 
sold out for the kingdom. But sold out. When he gets the cash from his business in boxes, he takes it to the bank. And they say, where do you get this? And he says, God. I remember he, he, he would show me that he would go to gym in like a $20,000 watch. And people would say, why are you gymming like that? Why, why would you gym with a $20,000 watch? And he says, I glorify God through this. People come and ask me and I say, my God owns the gold and silver. This is nothing. And he influences and wins businessmen to the kingdom. But he's not a nice guy. The question is, who advances more? Who glorifies more? The person that just is smiling and, you know, but does nothing. And by all means, be a happy, nice, kind person. But that is not the pinnacle of representing Christ. People think that's how you glorify Christ. No, by bearing much fruit where you are, by advancing where you are, by increasing where you are. Some of you need to take that risk. Step out and begin that business. Get out of that old job that you've been stuck in. Lest you be like the servant that hid his talent away because he was full of fear. How many of you have buried your talents, the dreams God has given you, inside of yourself? Somewhere away because you're full of fear of losing and making a mistake. Not realizing that the only way you can increase, the way you gain is by trading. You know what it means to trade? You've got to give something to get something. You've got to give away to get. You've got to sow. You've got to sacrifice. You gain by trading. You trade that talent of yours. You trade. You use it. Your time to gain, to increase. You see, that wicked servant that could not increase, he was afraid to take that money and go invest it. Go buy something and then sell that and increase and, and do something with it. So he held on to it and ultimately lost it. It doesn't mention whether he had a lot of friends or not. It doesn't talk about whether he was always praying for people or not. It doesn't talk about whether he made coffee for people in the morning or not. It doesn't talk about whether everybody liked his Instagram post or not. It doesn't talk about that. It simply talks about how he took what the master gave him and how he used it to advance the mission, the mandate, the commission of the king. Some of you right now, you might be sitting on talents, gifts, callings, that you are bearing right now for fear of failure, for fear of loss. Not realizing that at the end of it, you will lose it. If you do not take it and multiply for the master. You have that home cell, that Bible study, brother and sister, to advance. Not to stay where you are, but to win more souls. I love it. The, the start of the parable, it says, they heard these words as well. Therefore, he said the parable. The last words before that were, I, the king or I, the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. I mean, I was so blessed sitting in a home cell this Wednesday. And if you're not in a home cell, get into one, my brother and sister. And just hearing about these men talk about how they're in gym and they need to reach more people in the gym for Jesus how they need to reach another person there. But my brother and sister, I know those people. When they walk into the gym, people take note because they're excellent and they increase their muscle size when they go in there. So people take note. Increase where you are. Advance as a teacher. Be the best. Glorify God. We do not get trophies in heaven for being nice people. 
We do not get trophies in heaven for being nice people. We do not get trophies in heaven because the world likes us. Hear me, brother and sister. You do not get reward in heaven because everybody liked you because you were popular. It comes through advancing, multiplying, increasing to gain for the master, for the king. By trading the gifts and talents, the treasure and time that you have. Somebody getting what I'm saying tonight. I told you this word demands action. It's not the kind of word you get a goosebump and you say, man, that encouraged me for the week. It's the kind of word when I read it, I realized it brings me to accountability. It's brought me to accountability. Either I'm going to risk it, I'm going to risk it, I'm going to step out and advance or I'm going to hide what I have the talents and gifts, and ultimately lose it. A faithful person is a person that advances for the kingdom. Some people think I'm a faithful Christian because I've been going to church for 20 years. No, my brother and sister, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's better to know the truth. The faithful servant is the servant that radically increases and multiplies what God has given them for His glory. You see, it's all for Him ultimately because at the end, they brought it back and gave it back to the Master. Yeah, you might be successful in increasing business right now or in the field you're in. The question is I have for you, are you bringing it back to the Master? Or are you the kind of person that's not even in the scripture, the kind of servant that runs away with it? How many people God has given them talents, gifts? They use it to increase, but they run away with it. Nothing is done for the glory of God. Increase, my brother and sister. Multiply, my brother and sister. Advance, my brother and sister. How many of us fear is holding us back? Like, I need to impress upon somebody tonight the importance. This is literally that commission. This is the mandate between the moment Jesus came and the return of Christ. Or the moment you die and you enter eternity and you meet Jesus. This is the drive to advance, to occupy, to do business. You know, I was thinking about it and I'm really trying to make this distinction hit in your mind, land in your mind. It's not just about being a nice person. Be a nice person. Yes, be a kind person. Be a gentle person. Be a strong, brave person. But advance what you have for the master. Use your gifts and talents, your treasure to advance for the kingdom. You know, I was thinking about I've seen how the media has been, you know, all over certain preachers of the gospel and how Christians jump on board and attack. And whether you agree with the behavior or not of certain people, all that's going to matter in the end for them is how they advanced and multiplied. Oh, you might never have done maybe the bad thing they did. The question is, have you multiplied and increased like they have? I mean, self-righteousness is such a liar because you sit and you judge people and you think you're better than them. Meanwhile, they've been advancing and multiplying and taking what the master has and increasing. Trust me, brother and sister, the rewards for them are much higher than the person who's never committed a sin but, but has done nothing to advance the purpose. 
You might say, you might never have swore in your life, done anything bad. You might never have tasted alcohol or had a drug or done any sexual immorality. But it doesn't matter if you haven't taken your talents and advanced it. Is somebody hearing me tonight? Self-righteousness will steal your rewards because you think you're accomplishing something, not realizing Jesus accomplished it all. When He gave us His righteousness, therefore I do not boast in mine, rely on His, and live without fear to advance. <laughs> you see the Facebook trolls, the people who do nothing with their life and get up and throw stones. Oh, look what they've done. Yes, have you seen how many souls they've won? Have you seen how they've taken the gifts and talents and advanced the gospel over years? That's where the reward lies. And just by the way, as a side note, as a side, I'm digressing here for a moment, but I think I need to. You know, sometimes that self-righteousness, Christians become Christians' worst enemies. They become the enemies of each other. How sometimes Christians are the first ones to pull down another Christian, the first one to throw a stone at another Christian. Sometimes I like going to those people and I like asking them, hey, have, do you read the Psalms? Do you like the Psalms? Oh, do you know, by the way, the guy that wrote the Psalms, he took another man's wife, committed adultery, and then he had him murdered. Oh, do you like reading about Peter? Oh, by the way, Peter, he denied Christ three times. Oh, do you like calling God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Oh, that guy, Abraham, he had a child with his servant, not even his wife. Oh, do you like saying the line of the tribe of Judah? Oh, well, you know what Judah did, right? He went and slept with a woman because he thought she was a prostitute. But meanwhile, it was his dead son's ex-wife. And then they say, oh, line of the tribe of Judah. woo Psalms, son of David, son of David. But you see, that demonstrates the grace of God, the goodness of God. And when people shout the Psalms but criticize and throw stones at a brother because he said the wrong word or did the wrong thing or sent the wrong text, it demonstrates the hypocrisy. And just once again elevates the grace and goodness of God, how loving He is. Makes us recognize as children of God, we have to be each other's biggest supporters. Biggest supporters. That's why the word says, who dares bring a charge against God's elect? Just thought I'd say that. People say, oh, it's disappointing. Now, the only thing that's disappointing is how Christians act. And our Christians throw stones and side with godless worldly media. The same godless worldly media that attacks Christian leaders is the same people that promote the most immoral celebrities. They also promote abortion. They promote transgenderism. They promote the grooming of children. I thought I'd say that. Sorry, that might offend you, but it's a reality. How godless media, they support and promote the most immoral people. Then they'll throw a stone at a Christian leader for the smallest thing. But we should recognize who dare bring a charge against God's elect. Hey, we, this is the people of God. You have no jurisdiction here. You know, it's like if somebody commits an offense... Let's say a driving offense in Perth. You know that Russia doesn't come to find that person, give them a fine, or imprison them if they don't pay. Russia doesn't come. Why? Because Russia doesn't have jurisdiction. It's another nation. Guess what? We're a different nation, the people of God. We're a different nation. We have a different jurisdiction. We don't take our ethics. We don't take our corrections from the world. That's why Paul says, hey man, you don't need to go even to a worldly court to get this thing sorted out. Because one day you'll judge angels. Sort it out amongst yourselves, man. We're different people. Servants of the Most High God. 
Hallelujah. I don't know where that came from. Just by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way. People say, man, I'm so disappointed in the church. No, I'm just disappointed that you don't see the goodness, grace, and love of God. Man, Paul had to look back at the Corinthian church because there was a guy sleeping what with his stepmom. Hey, that was the early church where every second there was a miracle, someone rising from the dead. It's the reality of living in a broken world. But one thing we understand as Christians is that we are sinners and we need a Savior. That's why we come to Christ and we follow Christ because He's our righteousness, not because we're perfect and have it all together morally. Why am I saying this? Because once we lose the self-righteousness and the fear of morally failing of what people will say, we lose that fear and it enables us to run and do what God calls us to do. Oh, how many people are not good enough? I've messed up too much. I've made too many mistakes in life. I can't do that for God. What? Of course you can. Jesus paid the price. That's what we're about to celebrate Easter for, where he shed his blood. He didn't shed his blood because the world was perfect, because you were perfect. No, he shed it to make you perfect. But when we are so obsessed about, oh, you're not a kind person. You're not a perfect person. Forgetting that when we point one finger, the rest are pointing back at us. We become obsessed with something that really doesn't amount to any rewards in heaven. Oh, that, the, the pastor ignored me. This is a mean church. I'm going to leave. Now, all you should be asking, man, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is there a mandate to advance, to win the lost at any cost? And everybody said, amen. A mandate is to win the lost at any cost as a church, to advance the kingdom of God, to make another disciple. My brother and sister, in your life, I'm asking you to shift your focus from things that really don't matter to advancement for God, to multiplication and increase and fruitfulness for God, to take that risk, to step out and take that risk. Take the risk. Step out out of the boat onto the water. Take the risk. Do not hide in fear any longer. Do not bury the callings, the talents, and the dreams that God has given you any longer. Step out, brother and sister. Step out. Step out. Matthew 25, it talks about how the same guy, he, he dug a hole in the ground. And he buried what the master gave him. I mean... That ground is us. We were brought from the ground, from the dust. We bury these things on the inside of ourselves. That's why there's that famous saying that says, the wealthiest, richest place on earth is not the gold mines in Africa or South America, but it's the graveyard. It's the graveyard. Art that was never produced, songs that were never sung, books that were never written, ideas that were never brought to fruition all given by God and held in fear by people who didn't want to step out and risk it for fear of failure, fear that they would lose, fear that they wouldn't make it. And at the end of it, they lose anyway. I don't know where you are right now, brother and sister, what it might be that you need to do, what God might be calling you to do, but I'm asking you, (laughs) it's time, do it, take the risk, step out, get focused on advancing the kingdom, not your own little kingdom, but His kingdom. The band can come up. Come on, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask right now that you would quicken every heart, Lord God. 
work in every person. Lord, I'm asking you to shift perspectives, change paradigms, Lord. I'm asking for such a mighty miracle that men and women of God right here, Lord, would be driven to occupy this city for you, to occupy the school they teach in, the university they attend, the business they go to, to gain, Lord God, even if it means sacrificing, trading, Lord, trading their time, trading their skills, trading their money, Lord God, to gain for eternity. Lord, I'm asking for each one of us that you, Lord God, would engrave eternity upon our eyes, Lord God, that we would remember and see this continually, that we will give an account, Lord God. We will give an account of how we use the talents, the time and the treasure that you gave us. Lord, do this work in us, I pray. Lord, where hearts have been hardened, where our hearts, Lord God, where my heart has been hardened, Lord God, to waste time, Lord Jesus, to let opportunities and days slip by, where, Lord, I could have, we could have stepped out and made a difference for you. Lord, I pray for such a fundamental shift in your people right now. Lord, this is a work that only you can do. It's a work that only you can do, Lord God. Lord, that you would break complacency. You would break complacency. You would break complacency. And most of all, Lord, you would break fear, Lord God. Where there is fear holding people back from stepping out, Lord, from becoming that home cell leader, from becoming that business leader, from becoming that person they will take the risk, Lord God. They will step out of the boat and walk on the water. Lord, I'm asking that your perfect love drive out that fear, Lord God. Let it drive out that fear, Lord God. Come on right now in this atmosphere. I just want us to stand for a moment. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you. Come on, as we worship, allow God to let that work go deeper right now. Holy Spirit, breathe upon people. Activate them in Jesus' name. Let the fire fall, Lord God.
that parable, there's something very interesting about it where he goes from one miner to ten miners. And then the master makes this massive shift where he says, because you've been faithful in this money, which is actually the least of all things, he says, now have authority over ten cities. That's a revelatory picture about the end of days. Because the Bible talks about, if you read Daniel, you read Revelation, about those who rule and reign with Christ. Those who are given authority to reign with Him. And that's what it's talking about. Those who are faithful in discharging their duty by advancing on earth. At the return of Christ the new heaven and new earth are given authority to rule and reign. They are, judgment is handed to them. They become judges and kings because he's called the king of kings. You see, it's not just about here and now. We understand as children of God that we live for eternity. Greater than any reward we can get now by moving from one position to the next is the rewards that are eternal received from Christ. You see, right now, there might be two people standing next to each other. One brother or sister says, man, I'm bored out of my mind. But the other catches it. And destiny changes. And with destiny changing, eternity, their eternity changes. The rewards are eternal. That's what we forget sometimes as Christians, that we're not just living for the year and now, but we are living for eternity. Oh, you might have a crown on earth. It is nothing compared to the crowns that are bestowed by the King of Kings. And best believe He does bestow crowns. to win souls, to make disciples, to finance the gospel, not only impacts men and women with their destiny, but it impacts your own eternal destiny. You know, when I would seek to lead people back to Jesus, I would ask them about their relationship with God, and I would, I would ask them and say, what kind of person do you want to be when you enter heaven? Do you just want to be that kind of person who just made it and who sits in the corner? I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be that person that knew Jesus, that knows God intimately. That when I enter His presence, it's not a distant relative that I just said hello to on a Sunday, but someone I lived for breathed for, gave it all for. Some of you in a place of depression. But the parable in Matthew 25 reads that once they advanced and multiplied, the master says, enter into the joy of your Lord. Some of you are looking for joy in the world, not realizing the joy, the happiness you need is by fulfilling the call of God on your life, the purpose of God in your life. The joy eternal comes from being man and woman who advance the purpose and mission of God on this earth, who multiply, radically increase. people think God is poor. Do you really think there is anything or anyone on this earth that can reward you more than God can? More than God can? People put out a crazy video to get rewarded with more followers and they take joy in that. Do you know the joy, the increase that is given from God, the rewards that are given from God? There is nothing or no one that can ever come close to the rewards, the benefits that are bestowed upon us by the King of Kings. Shift your mind. Step out of that fear that you've been held back by. 
Who cares what man says? All that matters is what God says. Who cares if the world applauds and God doesn't know who you are? Who really cares if nobody knows who you are? But God knows who you are. Oh, some Christians, all they can do is bring their new weird theology and their new conspiracy. It means nothing. How are you advancing? What are you doing for the kingdom? How are you advancing? How many souls are you winning? How are you financing the gospel? How are you advancing, multiplying, subduing, my brother and sister? For Him, 